Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Shoneman, and I've got Pete Robertson right next to me today. Mac Daddy's in the house. Mac Daddy, as my in wife the house, would call me. indeed. Yeah. She's uh, she loves that name. Man, you got your man, you got your hat on backwards. I do. It must be baseball season. It is. Summer's right around the corner. It is. You remember that song, Boys of Summer? No. What was that about baseball? Oh, maybe. It was an '80s song. Yeah, maybe. I just remember Bruce Springsteen's song on "Throw the Fat uh, Speedball by You." You remember that? I know. The Glory Days. No. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, a good. That's a good man. There was some good music back then. Uh, I like that song. Man, I listened to it a lot. What happened to the '80s? I don't know. I like the boss. Yeah, the boss. And whenever I'm driving long term, I'll turn on the greatest hits of Bruce Springsteen. And I just, I can drive like right through it, man. It's just, it's some of the best music. It just brings me back to my childhood and hanging out at the beach and fishing and all that kind of cool stuff. Yeah. Did you you go to the beach a lot when you were a kid? (laughs) Speaking of the beach, yeah. I've done a lot of beach stuff. What are some of the best beaches you've ever been to? Well, I grew up like less than a mile from a beach, a little place called Lantana, Florida. It's uh, just south of Palm Beach. So that beach I, is down there. Gorgeous. I, I mean, I got a special place there. Yeah. It's a cool beach, Pete. There was a reef like, I don't know, 100 yards off the off the shore. Hmm. And you could go snorkeling and catch lobster and, you know, watch the barracudas swim by and all kinds of fun stuff. So that's kind of got a special place in my heart. I grew up in California, so I was a Pacific Ocean boy. Oh, so cold water. You like cold yeah, water. I was still, we were used to it, though. But I, I grew up in Laguna Beach, so that was our my wife and I's main beach. So we would go there a lot. But then we'd go to Newport Beach, Balboa Beach, Huntington Beach. I would think Huntington Beach was probably our the best beach because it's so wide. Anybody that's listening and been there, they know. So that's kind of what, what I love about California beaches is... Um, there's cliffs a lot of places. And so there's palm trees, there's cliffs. I have some pictures that I've taken. So you just get ocean last time. and mountains kind of. It's so pretty. That is pretty. Yeah. And then at the California beaches too, there's like like a lot of like basketball courts right on the beach. Volleyball courts everywhere. That's all over the place. But we have basketball courts that are right there. You play pickup really? games. Yeah. So that's a lot of cool things. Yeah, down I don't, there. in Florida, we don't really have basketball on the beach. Yeah. A lot of volleyball, but I mean, that's it. And I remember, I remember when I was a kid, you ever, you ever heard of Randy Stokeless and, and Sinjin Smith, the two volleyball players there? They were the ones that kind of brought beach volleyball to the oh, Olympics. Okay. And I remember me as a kid, when I was a teenager, I would go and watch them because they would, right there in Seal Beach, Huntington Beach, they would be practicing all the time. So not just them, all kinds of them. But yeah, that was kind of fun as a kid. What, are, what about when you're older? Where, where else did you, um, where some, in the well, world? There's some, some pretty beaches. Um... So I met my wife in Tallahassee, and there's a beach um, called St. George. Yeah. Which I live George, in St. George. I, I know, right? I, when I said that, I'm like, oh, wait, you know St. George. That kind of leads into our, our show today. So St. George Beach, um, which is in the panhandle of Florida. It's big, you know, white sand. Wow. It's it got dunes. It's, wow. it's just really, really pretty. Ooh. My wife growing up would always go to... Um, not Myrtle Beach. Um, it was it's Kitty Hawk. Oh, Kitty Hawk in North Carolina. Yeah. So the Outer Banks, and she loved. I mean, she still loves it there. Myrtle Beach is pretty though. Too. To me, the water's kind of cold, but yeah, um, it's one of my north. favorite beaches I've been to is a place in uh, St. Thomas called uh, Megan's Bay. Yeah, just g- absolutely gorgeous. The water <clears> is so clear. Um, fish swimming and again do snorkeling. But honestly, I think memory wise, my favorite beach has got to be. A lake. It's not even a, an ocean. It's got to be in Lake Sagandega up in upstate New York. And it was a big it's beach. Where I grew nice. Up. It's where I grew up. Wow. 
So we Bring would fish memories. from the shore. We, yeah. Every night we would do, when we were up there, we would do um, campfires on the beach, oh, roast fun. marshmallows. Um, uh, one of my uncles would always bring like a bushel of clams and they would, we'd steam the clams over the fire Ooh. and just, it was just a cool memory, cool place when my dad taught me how to fish. And it seems like everywhere I've traveled in the world, I've gone to the beach. When I was in India, I would go to the beach there at Koa. Um, the beaches there were okay. They were nice, but I mean, um, I remember going down to the lower part of India and all of those beaches down there. Uh, I think one of the prettiest beaches was in, uh, Brisbane, uh, Australia, um, it was called the Gold Coast, and they have some of the big uh, surfing contests and stuff there, but that was really pretty. Um, New Zealand beaches were pretty. Um, Man, you've been all over the place. Uh, Mexico beaches were kind of nice and different. Yeah, we've been. Um, yeah, Hawaii, is, those beaches were always beautiful. Okay, I got to go. Yeah, North Shore was amazing. Is that Maui? Maui's a beautiful. Kauai is probably one of the prettiest That's islands. That's where I want to go. That's where they did the yeah. Jurassic Park, right? Well, they the did Kauai. it also on the big island of Honolulu as well. I mean, not on the big island, but on Honolulu as well. Uh, yeah, not Honolulu, um, Oahu. They oh, have a spot. We did ATV in out there, and then that's where they kind of, they showed us where they were doing some of the- Riot Podcast things. goes to Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, we should do that. We're going to do that. We're going to go, let's do a podcast in Aruba. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna do that. On so the if you listen, yeah, I don't or know. Or elite mile, maybe on the ship. We'll just figure it out. But That's let's a good let's idea. do that. Yeah, we'll Riot do that. from Aruba. Yeah, talking about beaches, we got to do that. Now. I like that. So that'll be a lot of fun. Anybody's listening, one day we're gonna do a show from Aruba. We are. <laughs> we day. promise you. Maybe we, one we day we're gonna soon. do it. Who knows? We don't know when. You might listen to this after we've already done it, but who knows? There was something else I was gonna yeah. say about beaches. Um, <laughs> Beaches are amazing. You know what, I, it's crazy. my part of my home. Well, I was just thinking. And we both like cruises because we like to be out on the water. I do. I love yeah. the water. So it's, it's so beautiful. It's just in us. The beach, <laughs> we were talking about the Sea of Galilee with, um, a few weeks ago in that, on that show. We were talking about the, the, the loaves, the fish and loaves. But I remember being at Tiberius and, the, and just being on the water there. Again, it's not the ocean, but it's just something. you something special yeah. about if you are listening to this, uh, we want to hear about an amazing beach that you've been to. Yeah. Let us know because we've been to some incredible beaches and I would love it. I love, I've been to the, a lot of the beaches in the West Coast. I've been to a lot of the beaches in the East Coast. And I think the, the beauty is equal. I think Florida has some of the most prettiest beaches in the world. I get, you can't deny it. Um, but I think California is beautiful as well. So, I mean, it's just, it's hard to explain. Well, I grew up up north and... Um... Until I was 10, until we moved to Florida. And we used to go to this beach on, um, it was called Salisbury Beach. Mm. And it was like, kind of like Atlantic City in a way that they had the boardwalk. So they had games and cotton candy and mm. taffy. And I remember all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the water, speaking of cold water, <laughs> it was north of Boston. It was like right on the New Hampshire, oh, Massachusetts imagine. border. It was cold, Pete. Have you, you know where else? I know you've been here, but Salt Lake City. Yeah. You go to the the Great Salt Lake. Yes, that's an interesting place to go to a beach. It's like all beach. Yep. Weird. Yeah. Pretty though. And the salt everywhere. It's salty. It's yeah. a little salty. All right. Speaking of Salt Lake, let's uh, today's show is going to be the, the uh, RLDS Mormons Christians. So we've been doing a shows about our, you know the difference between Catholics and Christians or Protestant faith, difference between Islam and yep. Christianity. Yep. And so, because um, we know a lot of people that are LDS and that are Mormons, and so we might as well bring up a show that, because uh, uh, people ask us all the time, are Mormons Christians? And so, like, we said, okay, let's do a show and kind of say, are LDS Mormons Christians? And so that's what we're going to do today. 
But before we start, Bob, you want to go ahead and open us in prayer? Yeah. And let's just get going. Well, let's do that. Heavenly Father, we uh, we just thank you. We uh, look forward to uh, learning today as we we dive into the subject of the, of the Mormon Church and and the differences and the and the thing and the similarities as we go through all that. Lord, help us to do that in 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 kindness in. Um, uh, again, we're not. We're the last thing we want to do is cast judgment. All we want to do is cast truth. And so, Father, would you help reveal truth today as we go through these through these topics, as we dive into your Word, and we and we talk about this subject that uh, may be tough for some people to hear, but uh, we just want to we just want to share your truth, Lord. So we give you the show today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go for it. All right. The Church of the Latter-day Saints, LDS, is the fourth largest church in the United States of America and the fastest growing. Yeah, so when we when we talk about, we might say Mormons, we might say LDS. So it's the same. So, same thing. Yeah. Same. Yeah. The saints or Mormons, as they are referred to by the church outsiders, assert that they are Christians as they believe in Jesus Christ of the in Jesus Christ of the Bible. The question of whether Mormonism is is Christian is very relevant to American society at present. According to the standard dictionary definition of Christians, as believers and followers of Christ, Mormons are Christians. Further, uh, further because the majority show universal Christian values, such as generosity and forgiveness, the observance of uh, regular worship and avoidance of bad deeds, Mormons seem to act like Christians. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, give a little background. I was, I, I planted a church in St. George, Utah. So we lived in Utah for seven years. So we become really acquainted with many Mormons and all of that, that you just said are true. I mean, I have good friends that are Mormons. They're just great people, loving people, awesome people. So all of that I would, I would testify to is true. So yeah, I, I would say the same. I mean, I took a, a, a trip to Israel with uh, my brother and a few of the people from his church and the, the rest of the bus <laughs> was, was, was Mormons. So it was almost like a, it was a, we were the outsiders inside this Mormon uh, tour of, of Israel. But I tell you, the people were, they were amazing. They were kind. They were friendly. We got, a, we got along great. They laughed at my jokes everything was awesome. So um, it, I've had a really good experience w with the Mormons that, that I have met. So it's going to be interesting diving into this. But I mean, there is a difference. So from the observations, the answer to the question of whether Mormons are Christians and not necessarily whether Mormonism and thus the doctrine and beliefs yes. of LDS are Christian. So let's, let's kind of get into that. There's a, a lady, a professor named, her name is Jan Ships. She's a, she's a, a Methodist and noted scholar of the Mormonism. She was also often asked whether she believes Mormons are Christians, and she responds with the question whether the question is analytical, analogical, histo historiographical, or theological and religious. So we're not going to get into all of that, but what we'll do today is is kind of do an overview of the LDS faith in a theological standpoint um, or share some of the differences between Mormons and mainstream Christian church. So that's, that's what we're going to try to do. And, and again, this is not... What our goal is to share the difference, and then anybody that's listening, you go ahead and make up your decision, your choice, what you're doing, and then at the end, we'll kind of share kind of where we at and what we feel um, on with everything. So Good let's stuff. go ahead and do a st statement one. And or wait, did we pray yet? Yeah, we did. Oh, you did. All right, yeah. let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> Mormons profess to be Christians and say they believe the Word of God. However, we have found many of their beliefs that contradict mainstream Christianity. Mormons say that they are Christians, but we have found they reject funda uh, foundational truths from God's Word. Let's unpack a few. But 
before we do that, let's do a quick overview of what LDS is. What what is the faith of the the Mormons? Okay, so before we before you read that, uh, just of Joseph Smith and just that. So again, what we're saying is that it, that the it's in the interpretation. So the Mormons interpret interpret. If I'm saying that interpret? right, interpret. Yeah, I can't. I don't oh, even know. Yeah. yeah, whatever. I, I can't, some words we can't even pronounce, but they interpret a lot of theolo- theology different than how the mainstream Christianity does. And so they, they, there is a difference. And so that's what we're talking about. It's, it is different. So if, if they're saying that they're exactly the same, if someone tells you that Mormons are the same as the main th- mainstream Christian, it's not, it's, we're going to go ahead and go through that. It is different. So, all right, go ahead and just do a quick overview of okay. the, of the faith. So many of you have probably heard of Joseph Smith, who was referred, he referred to himself as the prophet. He founded the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the mid-1800s. He believed to have seen a vision of God, the Father, and God, the Son, in which they denounced modern Christianity and appointed Smith to reveal and restore true Christianity. That was in the Articles of Faith, 182 to 185. That's where you would find that, in so, their Articles of Faith. In their Articles of Faith. So yeah. three years later... Joseph Smith said that the angel Moroni, Moroni yep. told him about some golden plates on which the Book of Mormon was written. Many believed Smith, and a new religion was born. Today, the members of the Mormon Church number in the millions. The Book of Mormon is purported to be a new revelation, one that Mormons say is part of the New Covenant to Israel and another witness. To the truth of the Bible, history of the church, and uh, that's covered in... 4461, eighth Thank article you. of faith. Yeah. Thank you. Aside from that, many theological conflicts with the Bible and historical and archaeological fact, the writing of the Book of Mormon was shrouded in mystery, and we believe offered false claims. For example, go ahead. Well, I was going to get into it, but there's, I mean, you know, and I, and I, I know that the Mormons... Um, don't believe this. I know they don't believe that there was a, um, Joseph Smith didn't have the greatest reputation. Um, but there's a number of eyewitnesses and a number of people have done that. So that's kind of what we're talking about. And there's a mystery behind it. You know, did, did, is this real? Did he make this up? You know, all of that kind of thing. So we're, we'll give an example here, but that's kind of what we're talking about. We're just saying that it's out there. So we're sharing it with you. It's out there. So that's why we're bringing it up. So go on. Okay. So one example, Joseph Smith and his associates asserted that one professor, Charles Anthon of Columbia University, verified the Egyptian characters on the golden plates. However, the same professor wrote a rebuttal letter soon afterwards saying that he never did any such thing and had, in fact, found the characters to be a hoax. In addition, many verses in the Mormon scriptures have been changed over the years as the church leaders attempt to cover up something embarrassing in their past and to defend themselves against criticism. These facts alone are enough to cast much doubt on the veracity of the Book of Mormon. So, I, I, and again, I, the reason why we've brought this up is... We believe that the Bible is the infallible word of God. We believe that it's it's finished. We believe the canon is finished. Um, we believe that we don't add that. That's just how we interpret the Bible. That's how we interpret the Bible verses. That's how we interpret and understand um, what the Bible is telling us. So the Mormons are saying that they have a another book, another part of the canon. We're going to talk about that more. We're going to get into that. But what this is saying here is that 
the Mormon scriptures have changed a lot over the years. And, and we ask ourselves, well, why is it changing so much? What is going on? And so I just want to spend a little bit of time in China and, and explain some of these areas that have changed. And, and these are doctrinal changes. These are not just some small things. These are things that have changed their theology. And so if this is the word of God, if this is something that is absolute, why is this happening? You know, and, and so, you know, I've heard some Mormons say, well, because, you know, the prophet or the president of the Mormon faith got a prophecy from God or got something from God and he told them that they needed to change this in the book. And that's why they were changing that. Well, we don't see that happening anywhere in the Bible. Once we believe that the Bible was inspired by God, uh, we're going to talk about that more and that we don't need to change. The Bible speaks for itself. We don't have to adjust the Bible to culture. We let the Bible speak for itself, and we feel that that's what's happening with the Book of Mormon. So let me read this. 3,900 changes that have been made to the Book of Mormon from the time of its original publication in 1830. If the Book of Mormon was translated as Mormon history claims, even small errors in the text should not exist. There should be no need to make nearly 4,000 changes to the modern text. Even if these changes are grammatical and insignificant, Mormon history does not allow for even small errors in the text. Based on the very manner in which Mormonism's claims, Joseph translated the text, these changes, when they occurred, were not simply the correction of small spelling or grammatical errors. These changes involved whole words, changing the contextual meaning of the Book of Mormon. So I'm going to give some examples to this, and I'm not going to belabor it too much, but I'm going to just give some. So there are two alterations to the Book of Mormon that deal with the errant placement of the name. So the original in 1830 text, it's Mosiah 9, page 200. It says, King Benjamin had a gift from God whereby he could interpret such engravings. The current text, or the altered text, the changed text in Mosiah, Mosiah 21, 28 says, King Messiah had a gift from God whereby he could interpret such engravings. So the original text in Esther 1, page 546 says, And for this cause did King Benjamin keep them, but they had to change it again to current altered text to Esther, um, Esther 4, 1. And for this cause did King Messiah keep them. So they changed it from the Benjamin to Messiah. So why did they do that? That's a big change. You know, that's like saying King David. Now it's not King David, it's somebody else. So, so. <laughs> so they changed it up. According to the Book of Mormon Chronological, ben King Benjamin was already dead when these events took place. Apparently, LDS leaders changed the name to Messiah to eliminate the mistake. They also appear to be in changes to the text, attempting to accommodate later developing doctrines within the church. Um so I'm going to just fast forward here in the late addition to the tech. Well, actually, no, let me, let me go to another one. So another change was, um, they changed the book of Mormon several times in order to eradicate early doctrine. So here's another one. So original in 1830, uh, text, the two Nephi 12, second Nephi 12, page 117. It said, and many generations shall not pass away from them, uh, from them, save they shall be a white and delightful, delightsome people. Later, they altered the text, so 2 Nephi 36, uh, 1840 edition, and many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a white, pure, and delightful, delightful people. 
delight some people. And then they changed it again and altered the text again in 1981 to 2 Nephi 36. And it says white and delight some. And then they, they changed it again later in 1981 and they altered the text. It says pure and delightful. They got rid of completely white altogether. So before 1978, dark-skinned males were not allowed to hold positions of priesthood authority within the Mormon church. Today, Mormon scriptures continue to teach dark skin is a curse from God and a sign of his displeasure. Uh, 1 Nephi 12.23 says that, 2 Nephi 5.21, and Alma 3.6. Brigham Young, second president and prophet of the LDS church, referred to those with dark skin as being cursed with a skin of blackness. Journal Disclosure, volume 11, page 272 says that. The church appears to be struggling with its early statements about people with dark skin. Rather than allow the Book of Mormon to speak for itself, they have altered it to minimize the impact of early church doctrine. So we know that David had an affair with Bathsheba. So would we change that text to make it sound a little better for them? Yeah, we would. Yeah. Well, Peter, we know that Peter blasphemed God, Jesus, wouldn't we want to change that he blasphemed the Father to make Peter sound a little bit better? No, we didn't. So we just kept everything else. The book should be able to speak for itself. Why are we having to change it? That's the question. That's it. That's all we're asking is why do we have to change it? Let me just do one more and then I'll, we'll give it up. Most Trump, because there's, there's 3,900. Remember, I'm only taking a few. So we don't have time for all 3,900? No, 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 I'm only taking a few. But most troubling changes, let's begin to take a look at the issue by examining some changes in the book. So this is very troubling, okay? The original in 1830 text, 1 Nephi 3, page 25, it says, And he said unto me, Behold, the virgin whom the seeth is the mother of God after the manner of flesh. The altered text is 1 Nephi 11:18, and it said, And he said unto me, Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of the Son of God. The original, 1830, here's another one, uh, 1 Nephi 3, page 25 says, And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, even the Eternal Father. The current altered text, 1 Nephi 11:21 says, And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, even the Son of the Eternal Father. I'm going to go on and just read another part. In original 1830 uh, t uh, text, 1 Nephi 3, page 26, it says, And I looked, and behold, the Lamb of God, that he has been taken to the people. Yeah, the everlasting God was judged of the world. The current altered text, And I looked and, be and, and beheld the Lamb of God, that he was taken by the people. Yeah, yea, the Son of the everlasting God was judged of the world. So here's what I want us to notice on this. Did you notice something common to all these alterations? They represented a change in theology. All these passages in the first versions describe a monotheistic God. While Joseph initially held the historic Christian, believe in one God, okay, that's what monotheistic means. While Joseph initially held the historic Christian belief there was only one God, he departed from orthodoxy by denying there is a clear distinction between the persons within the Trinity. A number of passages in the Book of Mormon present Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ as the same person. Theologians call this modelism because Father and Son are understood as a distinct person, but merely as different models in which the one God is manifesting himself at different times. But importantly, later versions of the Book of Mormon were then altered to accommodate Joseph's later developing polytheism, more than one God. 
Clearly, Joseph held an evolving notion of the nature of God. In his earliest writings, he is the monotheistic, but as time passed, he abandoned his monotheism, the one, one God, for a distinct Mormon brand of polytheism. That is a huge theological change. So they believed in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as one, and they changed it that now Father is one, Jesus is one, Holy Spirit is one. That's what these writings did. Why did they have to do that? That is a significant change. So that's that's what we're talking about. That's why we're bringing it up saying, hey, we're not sure that the Mormon book or the, the is an actual inspired by God if these things are happening. So that that brings pause to us as mainstream Christians and saying that your your doctrine or your canon is a part of the mainstream Christian theology. So we're we're bringing cause pause to that. That's where we're at. So you want to move on to statement three or do you have something to say on that part? Nope. All right. Oh, my head's spinning. All right. As I'm sure many of our listeners are. But so we, we'll, we'll you try got to the gist of what I was saying. You yeah. get the context. That, of it. It's a big change. Yeah. So they, they made a big change. And I think what you're saying is if it was in the inherent whisper, or spoken word of God, there would be no reason to have that big of a change. Yeah. And so I just wanted to, I did, I, I belabored it to prove a point. I yeah. didn't want to just say this and then not actually do our homework. Gotcha. We did our homework. We looked it up ourselves. And so we can actually testify that these changes were made. And now when you examine these changes, that last one that I just talked about, when they changed from monotheism to polytheism, and I think a lot of Mormons don't understand this. I think I think they there's a lot of Mormons that are listening to this that have no idea what we're talking about, that this is what their faith teaches. Hmm. And so this is a lot of them. It's going to be news to them. So, all right, go on. Okay. One of the many areas in which Mormons fall short of saving faith is their belief that God is merely an exalted man who earned his position by good works. Mormon Doctrine, page 321, 321 Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. Page um, 345. Page three, thank you. Yeah. This directly contradicts the Bible, which states that God has existed in his position as God of the universe for eternity past, so let's, from eternity past. So let's read, do you have a scripture for that part? Yeah. Any have, of those? Yeah, Revelation 1.8, I oh, think. Okay, so, so this is this is contradiction. So they're saying that um, that man is exalted here, okay? So we're distinctly contradicts the Bible, which states that God has existed in position as God in the universe from eternity. So this is completely different. So go ahead and read Revelations 1.8. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So it, God was never man. Do you have a verse, uh, Numbers 23.19, for Samuel? Do. Okay. I do. God is not man. Numbers 23.19, exactly. Okay. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. So we're we're saying that this is the, they're saying that God was man. They're saying that Jesus was man. Okay, we're saying that God was never man. So we're that's what we're saying. So that's what Numbers twenty three nineteen says. And and is the holy and powerful Creator of all things. Do you have a verse for that one? Um, let's see. I think um, Isaiah forty three maybe. Isaiah thirty seven sixteen or I Genesis don't one. Have, I don't have that. Well, let's do a Psalms twenty four one. Let me look it up. I have my Psalms open here. So Psalms 24.1. So what are we saying? What statement are we reproving here? So it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the, wor the world and those who dwell therein. So we're saying that, um, that 
that is holy and powerful creator of all things. So we're saying that the Lord and fullness of thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. So God has fulfilled everything. He's the most powerful. All right. So the next part was Mormons also believe that they themselves can attain the status of God's in the afterlife through their works here on earth. That's the teaching of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 345 through 354. However, no man can ever become like God. We believe that. And do you have a verse on that one for Samuel 2, 2, Isaiah 43 at all or none? Um, we got Isaiah 43. Okay. Um, you are my witnesses, declared the Lord, and my servant whom I, have cho- whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. So how could their scripture say that there is that, that we become like God, that we're God, when the Bible is basically saying no man can become like God? God is God. And then despite that, the serpent told Eve in the garden, that's despite what the serpent told. So the serpent told Eve that she was to become like God. So... All right, so that's kind of that aspect. I know that might have been a little bit confusing, but so they're basically, they're exalting man. They're, they're saying that, um, that we can become gods, that we can live a good life here, um, you know, by our works and by the way that we have. And then we, that Jesus was elevated to be God. So that's basically what they're yeah, saying. Yeah, I think that last thing you were talking about, about in the garden, I mean, that was kind of the lie of Satan, right? For God yep. knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you yeah. will be like God, knowing good and evil. Yeah, and so that's, I mean, we become the imagery of God, so we have reasoning skills like God, and, and we can make decisions and stuff, right or wrong, um, but we're not God. That's There is a difference. There is a different interpretation. All right, let's go to statement four. Okay, Mormons also believe that Jesus was a God, but not God himself. Um, you can see that. Oh, wow. That's you what got... we were just saying. So Mormon <laughs> yeah. Doctrine, page 543, Articles of Faith, page 35, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 372. It is essential to Christians to to the Christian faith that Jesus is one with God and that he is God's only begotten son who became flesh. See John 1:1. 1, 1. In fact, I've got uh, I've got let me read this to you. John 1:1 1, 1 through um, 3 and then also verse 14. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made and then jump to verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us he moved into our community right and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth and we spent a whole show basically on yeah that text right there so go yeah. back and check that out in john john 1 so. yeah so only jesus one is with god would have allowed him to live a sinless blameless life so hebrews seven twenty six says that and only Jesus Christ was able to pay the price for our sins by his death on the cross. So it's the Mormons are saying that he's, he's Jesus was a God, not the God. Hmm. Okay, so we have to understand. So when they say that when they believe in Jesus, um, according to their doctrine, according to their scripture, and, and obviously they changed from monotheism to polytheism, they are now they are saying that this Jesus is different. They're saying that he is a he is he is a created person that became God. That's what they're saying. We're going to go into that a little bit wow. more, but that's different. So that's not the same as mainstream Christianity. So if you're you know a Christian Christian is to be Christ like right to be a Christian to be Christ Christ. Well, they're they're saying that they believe in all the the sayings of Jesus. They believe in all the writings of Jesus. 
But this Jesus that they believe is different. Their interpretation, their theology is different. He is not a God. He is the God, according to what we believe. And so we'll go into that. All right, statement five. The belief that, and this was new to me, I didn't know this at all. The belief that God is married is unique to Mormonism. This belief is an integral is integral to the Mormon belief in eternal marriage as necessary for exaltation in the afterlife. Mormons argue that beliefs such as celestial heaven are what make the Mormon religion superior because it is a doctrinal consolation about the afterlife. So I had never heard this, Pete. This is all new to me. So, I mean, Mormons also teach that the Heavenly Father subsequently had many more spirit children. Um, we ourselves are thought to be such spiritual siblings of Jesus. Mormons thus refer to Jesus as our elder brother. Moreover, Mormons believe that even Satan, Lucifer, is a spirit brother of Jesus. While LDS spokesperson, um, uh, this is fundamental of the Mormon teacher, apostle of the Mormon church, and the current official LDS publications affirm this. So they believe that Jesus... Not only was he married, but they believe that he was created, and they believe that they call him elder brother. Um, they believe that he's connected with Satan as a created person, and he's the brother of Jesus, Satan is. And um, the, the hierarchy wrangle. So if you're a Mormon and you're listening to this, you probably like, that's not true. Well, look it up. Look it up. Look it up, the, the, you know, your doctrine, and, and you'll see that this is what is being taught. Um, as far as his married life, the Bible is silent on the issue of Jesus' marital state. And there has been no modern revelation stating that he was uh, was or was not married. So we just don't know. But this leaves the issue an open question. And whenever we understand the Bible and there's an open question, the Bible is silent on it, we stay silent too. The last thing that we want to do is interpret things for the Bible. We let the Bible speak for itself. So if it's not in there, there's a reason why. Again, we believe that the word of God is the infallible word of God, that it's the word himself, that God gave the the inspiration to um, the, the apostles and to the writers of the Bible to understand the truths that God wanted us to reveal to him. If he wanted us to know that he was married, he would have said so. But it wasn't there. And I, and I, and I believe that this is, this is the, most of the Mormons believe that this is true, that he was married. And since eternal marriage is one of the ordinance required to achieve exaltation, many of the apostles of the Latter-day Saints do indeed believe that Jesus Christ was married, that he had children and that he and his disciples endorse polygamy. And so I know that they don't have polygamy as much now, and they're not doing that. That's one of their think doctrines that they've changed. But Brigham Young and both Joseph Smith preached polygamy a lot. And they believe that Jesus was married and had many kids, and that he also was about polygamy. Wow. So that's not in the Bible that we read. That's not in the manuscripts that we've gotten. So that's completely different. And the Mormons have said, believe that the latter day aspect of the Mormon Bible and their, their scripture is bringing the, 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 the truth now. It's, it kind of trumps the truth of the Bible. And we'll explain that a little bit more later. So let's go into statement six and we'll break that down. Okay. Those who follow the Mormon faith also believe that they can attain heaven through works. Doctrines and Covenants 58, 42, 43, 2 Nephi, 9, 23, 24, Amma 34, 30, and 35, and Articles of Faith, P, uh, pages 92. So what we just said is that who follow the Mormon faith also believe that they can attain heaven through works. We do not believe. That's the opposite. We do not believe that it's by works. So 
All of that is in every one of those scriptures that we just said in the Book of Mormon, in the Articles of Faith, and the Doctrines of Covenant. It's all there. So go so, on. So what you're saying is there's lots of places to back up that statement. That's that what they believe, yes. Okay. While they claim faith in Christ, they also rely on following the commandments of the Mormon Church. Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 1, page 188. The Mormon Doctrine, page 670. And Practicing Good Works, uh, second Nephi, is that how you said Yeah, that? two Nephi, 25, 23, 25. Alma, 11, 37. How many books do they have? Never mind, it doesn't matter. In order to achieve salvation, the Bible is very clear on this point, stating that good works can never earn the way to heaven. Romans eleven six says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Right. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, for by, for by grace we are saved. Through faith, it's not of ourselves, it's a gift from God, lest any man should boast. So it's it's nothing that we can do to achieve salvation. It's it's by the it's by the works of Jesus, not by our works. Jesus offers us the free gift to eternal life. It's by believing in Jesus that we are now able to have everlasting life. It's not because of anything we've done. Right. Because the Bible says that our hearts are desperately wicked, that we are evil, that we are wicked, that we are fall short of the glory of God, that we've all missed the mark. And that's what Jesus had to come to the earth so that we can now have opportunity to give our lives and to have eternal life. So it's not because of our works. So the, the, the Mormons are teaching that you have to, you know, I remember they had to meet with their bishop. They would have to meet with sister or elder so-and-so. They would have a list of things that they would have to do each week. And if they weren't doing that or didn't live up to um, some of the demands that the Mormon church teaches, then they would, uh, you know, they would not be working their way to heaven. So. Yeah. John quotes Jesus in the in uh, 14th chapter of John. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah, so that faith in Jesus Christ alone is the only way to salvation. There is no other way. Salvation by grace is incompatible with salvation by human works. Romans eleven six says that. So that's it's we've talked about this when we talked about it with on the Islam show. Yep. We talked about this on the Catholic show. We, we go into this a little bit more talking about the grace and the works aspect. But that's something that's completely contrary to what the Bible says. And so it's it. Do we do works? Yes. Do Christians still do that? Yes. It's the byproduct. It's not has nothing to do with salvation, has nothing to do with earning God's favor. God's favor is already before us. It's already there. He died for us while we were still sinners. He did not wait till we got better. He knew that we were going to mess up. He knew that we're gonna, he, he died for our sins today, yesterday, and tomorrow. So there's nothing I could do to change that. He already did it all. He already paid it all. Now I just have to accept this free gift. And because of that love, because of the grace that he's given me, because of his mercy, I now want to do things for him. In, in just a loving relationship as I want to do things for my wife or I want to do things for my friends, whatever that is, it's a natural response to that. And Amen. so, the, so the, the doctrines of the Mormon, Mormon doctrines clearly states that it's, it's, it's Jesus plus. So, all right, go on. All right, move on. Yeah. Statement seven, with respect to scripture, Mormons differ from traditional Christian groups in that they accept extra books in their canon. In addition to the King James Version of the Bible, they add the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine of Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. 
The Doctrine and Covenants is the, compila the compila compilation <laughs> can't yeah. speak, We're of all the, the revelry given to the priesthood, namely those given to Joseph Smith. The Pearl of Great Price contains a variety of material, with the most notable inclusions being the first vision, which describes in detail the miracle that is the foundation of Mormonism, and the Articles of Faith which outline the beliefs of Mormonism. Although most statements in the articles would be acceptable to traditional, most traditional Christians, the inclusion of statements this, such as... This is a big deal. So this is the inclusion of this. So they say this. Go so, ahead. Quote, we believe the Bible is to be the word of God as far as it is translated correctly. We also believe the Book of Mormon to be the word of God. End quote. This is uniquely this is uniquely Mormon. Many traditional Christian views view this as far as it is translated correctly, again in quotes, as far as it is translated correctly as blasphemous, since it puts the importance on Joseph Smith's re revelation and interpretation of the Bible. So the Book of Mormon, so the the new the King James Version came to us from a manuscript in the 900s, you know, the, the early 900th century. We have recently have gotten manuscripts from the third the second and third century, the fourth century, which are earlier manuscripts than where the King James Version came. And we have, uh, they have taken some of the translations because they believe only in the King James Version. And some of that translation is outdated and it's not completely correct. And so that's why we've had to come with the new King James Version. No, wait, that sounds like a doctrinal change <clears throat> that you were what, saying about the Mormons. No? no, it's because it was interpreted differently because they didn't get the full transcript. Yeah. And so now we have the earlier transcripts and we understand what was actually believed by the early church. And nowhere does it talk about any of the Book of Mormon and anything else. So the Mormons believe that it came later. So when Joseph Smith came, it was, it was God saying that he's rejected all of Christianity and that he wants to give something extra to help them you know, walk holy and to help them understand why it means to be salvation. So and this that, was 1830. Yeah, so this is later. So um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, the words of the scripture are God breathed or inspired. That's what it says in 2 Timothy. This implies that God is the source or origin of what is recorded in scripture. God, through the Holy Spirit, used human authors to write what he revealed in the Bible. They were not mere copyists or transcribers. The Holy Spirit guided and controlled the writers of scripture who used their own vocabularies and styles, but wrote only what the Holy Spirit intended. This is true only of the original manuscripts, not the copies or translations. So that's kind of where we're at with this. We've already said this from the beginning. We do not believe that God, uh, we believe that the Bible says that we are not to add or delete from this book. And we believe that the, the mainstream Christian faith believes that the Book of Mormon and all their other added canons are not to be added. And they don't align up with the Bible as a context anyways. We've already showed that. Yeah. So they're not, they're not only do we not believe that those are part of canon, and we believe that it's not true, but they don't align up with, in context, what the actual Bible is saying. So that's kind of where we're at. All right, let's go to statement eight. Okay. The Book of Mormon is the most controversial addition to the canon. It is, supposed, it is a supposed record of ancient groups in the Americas and begins with a family moving from Jerusalem shortly before its destruction to the New World. The climax of the record is a visit of the resurrected Jesus Christ in the Americas. Although the records inscribed on golden plates were lost shortly after, 
were lost shortly after in the fourth century, the barrier of the book, Moroni, is said to have returned in the early 19th century as an angel in a revelation to Joseph Smith and led him to those plates. Smith then translated these into English as the Book of Mormon. All right, so that's their doctrine. That's what they believe. That's what happened. Okay, so like uh, with an Islam, where they believe Muhammad believed that an angel appeared to him and gave him the doctrines for the Quran. Um, so the Mormons believe kind of the same thing happened. So hmm. Islam believes that Mormons believe that they believe that some angel appeared to them and gave them these scriptures. So they both, so the, and both Islam and Mormons are set up very similar as far as the workspace, as far as things that they have to do. If you study both Islam and both Mormon, Mormon, they're very, very uniquely the same. So similar, they just have different kind of writings, but they're very similar as far as their structure. Um, the problem with this is the lack of evidence about these golden plates and the message reflected of the times led many critics to believe that the book is a fanciful fabrication. So during that time, um, remember how we said that we've been on other shows. We said if, if what the Jesus statements that he said, him resurrecting from the dead, 500 witness him. If what he did was false, we would hear a lot of people say that is not true. They would, they would say that. There would be a lot of that. We don't get any of that. There's no manuscripts. There's none of that. But we do get that all over the place with the Mormon book. We get contradictions. We get people saying that this is another like fantasy writing that came up. So we do see that everywhere. So that should bring pause to us if we're reading that. There's something different here. So eight man, um, there was originally eight man plus three. So they say 11. So 11 witnesses saw and touched the plates. You can read the testimonies of these witnesses at the beginning of the Book of Mormon. Does the Mormon church have the gold plates? They say the scripture suggested two reasons the Book of Mormon gold plates were not made available to the public. The first is that the Lord refused to allow men to use these sacred plates for commercial or personal benefit. The second and most important was so the Lord could test the faith of all who received the re record. When the translation was done and the guidance was dispensed, Angel Moroni appeared back in front of Joseph Smith to collect the sacred golden plates as its teachings and are no longer required. So doesn't that make you just pause right there? So the angel took the plates? Yeah, there? that's what they say in that only eight or 11 people have actually witnessed this. But in the Bible, 500 people physically saw Jesus after he resurrected from the dead. The Bible says that here's the word of God. I'm giving you all of it in its totality, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Take it as you may, but it's the truth. And when you read the Bible in context, it is always the truth. There's no hiding here. There's no, hey, you're not doing that. And I know that in the book of Revelations in Daniel, it says, you know, you can't write certain things or so forth. I get that part. But for the most part, in context, everything is here. And so we kind of just, it just brings us pause. So there's, you know, where's the golden place? Well, not there. Oh, they took them back. Well, if it's the foundational part of this whole book, wouldn't you think God would want that so he can give proof? You know, if these eight witnesses, I don't know. That's just me. Hmm. So it just brings me pause. All right. Add it to the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, maybe. That's it. That's just, you could choose however you want to see it, but I just, that's where I'm at with that. All okay. right. As shown by the acceptance of the extra-biblical works, Mormons maintain a canon open to further revelation from God. That, that's different, right? Yep. This is most notably uh, most notable in the fact that it allowed 
allows Joseph Smith and his successors to be accepted as God's prophets. Mormons believe that the death of the apostles led to the death of the, the apostolic succession and that the traditional church perpetuated a false line of apostolic uh, succession. So thank you. They believe that there was no church on earth for more than 1,700 years. Wow. Until Joseph Smith was restored with apostolic with apostolic, apostolic yeah. governance by God in 1830. Yeah, that just blows my mind. So there's the they basically say it not there was no actual established church until 1700. That's part of their ordinances. That's part of what they teach. That's just fascinating to me. But I know that in Matthew 28:20 20, it says, "I am with you always." Colossians 1:18 says, "He is also head of the body, the church, and he is in the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything." So to me, it's saying that Jesus is the head of the church. So how did the heck did the church not become until the 1700s? That's not that's not possible. Jesus is always there. And then Colossians 2.10 says, And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. So if he's if there's no church until 1700 and we didn't have the right right so, church, then that's not right. That so they be believe right. the church existed through the first century, but then disappeared for 1700 years. That's and it. And came back in 1830. Yeah. Oh, okay. Make sure I got my head wrapped yeah, around yeah. that. That just seems weird, right? Yeah. It, it just makes me pause. So when you read the Bible and scripture in context, it contradicts that statement. That's why I'm saying, so anything yeah. that contradicts what the Bible is saying, it should bring us pause. Listen, we don't have time to talk about all the contradictions that are in the Book of Mormon. There are so many, it's crazy. I mean, we could do show after show after show. Listen, people, we're only sharing with you just a few. But if it's contradiction in the context of the Bible, or the Mormons are, are coming up with a theology that's different than the mainstream, then that means that maybe they're not, they're a different Christian faith. They have a different, it's not the same. It's different. And so, it's, but I think that there's too many errors. There's too many things that makes me pause. It makes you think that it's man created and not God, that's, and not God inspired. And then when you look at, like I said, Islam and you look at Mormons, it makes me wonder, are these, they're similar. Yeah. Is it God breathed it's or is how it man made? Yeah. And then the Bible says in Hebrews that Satan will come as an angel of light. He'll come to deceive you. He'll come to make it sound like it's him. Could this be happening with the Mormon church? You know, could they've been deceived? Could this have been deceived with all these errors, all these changes, all these uh, contextual errors and things that are out of place? Could that be? That makes me pause yeah. and wonder. So You decide, right? Yeah. All right. Um, where are we at? 11? Yep. Mormons seem to believe that they are Christians because their first article of faith declares their belief in Jesus Christ as the divine Son of God. However, Mormon and traditional Christian doctrine differ on many levels, including Scripture. The uh, de what is that de <laughs> deification of humans yeah. and the nature of God, the true the true in the triune, triune Godhead. Godhead and the path of salvation. Although they showed similar responses to conservative Christians in their views of the literal biblical, biblical theology and personal oriented values, the differences are too wide to accept them as commonly known Christian. So that's that's exactly kind of what I was just saying. Yeah. So it, the doctrines, there's too many levels, there's too many scriptures, there's too many. I mean, they're claiming that Jesus is is a created God. They're saying that Jesus is the Lucifer of Satan. They're saying that because Jesus did really good works that he was given to uh, an earth. I mean, there's it's just it's too weird. And they're saying that Jesus 
you know, it, all of this that's not in the Bible, you know, so I, it, that just kind of makes me pause, but ships going back to that Methodist, um, yeah. teacher, she believes that the relationship between Mormonism and Christianity is like that between Judaism and Christianity, because Mormonism aimed to reform Christianity. It can be viewed as a whole new religious tradition as Christianity was eventually viewed as a diverse, of uh, from Judaism. Um, so back in the time of Jesus's time, there was different sects of Judaism. That's kind of the Essenes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. There's a lot of different sects that of Judaism. And they uh, first initially classified, uh, the way as a new sect, hmm. but over time they started realizing, wait, this is completely different wait teaching. Yeah. This is a new covenant. This is a new understanding. And so that's the way we kind of have to view Mormons. Um, with mainstream Christianity. It is completely different. And it has a different God and so forth. I kind of like that. I wish we were still called the way. Yeah, that is cool, huh? It is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, last statement. Many in the Mormon church are unaware of the religious past inconsistencies, amended scriptures, and even the full doctrine of their church. Many Mormons who have discovered these things have left the church and come to a true saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's It's... The statement that we're going to make here is is a little bit more harsh, but this is kind of where we're at. So here our heart. It's there's a there's a a bondage or there's a pressure, a weight, um, and we we can do another show just on that that we find within the Mormon Church. It's in both Christianity and Mormon. I'm not just saying it's one or the other, but when you have to live by works, when you have to perform, when you have to, I mean. You feel condemned a lot. You feel the weight of the world. You feel the depression and the, I mean, you can't live up to it. You can't, you can't be perfect. You're always going to fall short. We talked about that in our show on Catholicism as well. And I believe that anything that is putting that pressure on you, when anybody is saying that the work of Jesus was not enough, when any time that they're saying that there's something wrong with that. Amen. And, and Jesus is, is, is enough. He paid it all. It's done in him. We do not have to do anything else. So go ahead and read that last statement. Yeah. Close so this is really important. As Christians, we must treat Mormons with love and understanding um, that they are among those deceived by Satan himself. You know what? Let me back that up with a verse. First Peter 5, 8 says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to seeking someone to devour. Satan's goal is to distort the truth, produce false assurance of salvation, and extend a deceptive hope uh, of, of Godhood. 2 Corinthians 4.4 um, 4 says this, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So, it's it's safe to say it. So if you have a Mormon friend that you're listening to, or there's a Mormon that maybe doesn't know some of these doctrines that they've been taught, uh, we're here to just share with you that we believe that there is a difference. And we believe that if there's anything that tries to take you away, take your mind away from the Jesus of the Bible, to try to get your eyes off of that, we believe that that's a false doctrine. We believe that that is a lie of Satan because Satan, his role, his goal is to deceive us, is to confuse us, is to bring chaos to our life, is to bring division. And, and he will use anything. He'll create a religion. He'll create other doctrines. He'll create things that sound good, 
but they're not the absolute truth. And we believe that the Bible is the absolute truth. As Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And then he also said in John 4, he says that I am he, I am God. We and God are one. We talked about this when we did the John 4 show on the Samaritan, uh, the Samaritan at the well. Um, she came and Jesus basically told her straight up, I am God. You, we can't deny that. He's saying, I am God. And this is before he died and rose again on the day. This is before he paid the perfect, uh, did the live the perfect life as, as the Mormons are teaching. So he is God before. And then also in John 1, 1, John stated straight up, he was from the very beginning, he was God. So he was, if he's from the very beginning, how do you interpret that, Mormon? How do you interpret that in the beginning was the word, word was with God, word was God. He is the word. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is God. So there's no, he was from the very beginning. I don't know how else to get around it when we study it and we interpret it. And, you know, when you're taking those things out of context and you're, and you're, and you're bringing in new, new doctrines or new things that are completely, uh, not in line with the Bible, it makes me pause. And so, you know, I love my, my Mormon brothers and sisters out there and I'm friends with some, and I'm not trying to condemn you here. I'm not trying to, you know, say you're horrible and any of this stuff. That is not my intent. That's not our intent at all. We're just trying to say, listen, we see there is a difference. And so we're sharing with our audience that difference. There is a difference between the LES church and the mainstream Christianity. And I believe that they believe in a different Jesus. I believe that they have a different theology and a different doctrine and a different ideology. So to me, it is not mainstream Christianity. We believe in the word of God and we believe it's the infallible truth. So that's it. Last words that you have thoughts on that. Nope, you covered it, I think. Okay, so if you're listening to this and maybe you are wanting, you're a Mormon and you're wanting to give your life to Jesus, well, you can. You can just surrender your life. You can, you know, go to a local Bible-believing church. Um, if you're looking for uh, a church, you can go ahead and reach out to us and, and we would love to get you con in, in connection with the right church in your local area. And, um, you know, we would love to answer any of your questions. I mean, if you have questions and Go ahead and comment on Facebook, or if you want to reach out to us, you can email us if you go to riotpodcast.co. Um, but we would love to hear from you and um, and share with you. I mean, listen, we're not trying to be experts here. Um, if we don't know the answer, we'll find it. Um, I've done a lot of reading. I've read through the Book of Mormon. I read through the Pearl of Great Price. I've read through the Doctrines of Covenants. I've I've studied it for the most part. I'm not an expert in it. Um, but I know it fairly well. I, again, I shared with you guys before I lived there for seven years. And so I had a lot of friends and I've learned, learned the faith a little bit. And, you know, I, I haven't shared with you half the stuff that I know, uh, of the difference. We just kind of went through some doctrine and theological issues, um, and how we interpret things. But anyway, uh, if you want to know Jesus, you can just, uh, humble your heart and just confess your sins, repent of it. And, uh, just ask him into your heart and pray and, uh, and then just seek him. And uh, I know that there's people here today that have never heard of Jesus. And maybe they just they know a Mormon friend or uh, they know somebody that's been in the faith and they kind of want to know the difference. Well, hopefully this uh, show helps you kind of see that there is a major difference between the two. And um, don't take our word for it. I pray that you do your own research. Go ahead and search this yourself. And uh, we would love to be there to help you. Bob, thoughts? 
Yeah, I just uh, want to remind the people that are just listening to podcasts to check out our YouTube channel. It's uh, just Riot Podcast on, at YouTube. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit the bell so you're notified every time a new one comes out. Uh, if you listen to podcasts primarily, make sure you subscribe to that as well so you never miss an episode. And Pete mentioned earlier, you know, jump onto our Facebook page. Share with us what uh, you know, what you liked about the show, what you uh, what you'd like to hear, or if you have more questions, we'd love to to dive into those and, and answer those as well. But do us a favor, share the show with somebody. Somebody needs to hear this, and uh, man, we would love it if you would just share it with your friends, share it on social media, but get the word out about the Crazy Riot podcast, guys. <laughs> so, um, guys, have an amazing week. We love learning and love, love sharing what we're learning with you guys uh, through this medium called podcast. Man, it's amazing. Can you believe it's been a, a year and a half we've been yeah, doing this, Pete? It's crazy. It's crazy. What good. a blessing. Yeah. What an absolute blessing. Well, we love you guys. Have an amazing week. Don't forget to ask those questions and share with a friend. Peace out. Bye. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.